This is the What Now Podcast. So you mentioned just in the introduction, Mary Alice, that I'm doing a YouTube series called Seeking Jesus. In one of the episodes, we talked about some of the things we've been saying with the cross. And it was so interesting because in one of the comments on the video, a person said, well, what really matters is the atonement. And what happened on the cross was just kind of like helpful afterwards. And so it was clear that the person who was making the comment believed that Christ's atonement was exclusively in Gethsemane and the cross was just an extra thing. And that's not what the scriptures and church leaders have taught. So I do hope that another takeaway from this conversation is a focus on Christ's crucifixion as a doctrinally significant part of Christ's atonement. It is like rich, it is life-changing. And so no matter what we choose to do or not do with the symbol of the cross, let's not that be a barrier from more deeply exploring the event that Christ defined as his greatest act of love. This is the What Now podcast, where we discuss topics surrounding cultural norms in the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in an effort to create more understanding, hope, and healing for our church community. I am Mary Alice Hatch, your host. Join me as I speak with John Hilton III, Professor of Religious Education at Brigham Young University, who dispels some of the myths we have in our church culture about the symbolic nature of the cross. John helps us understand why members might hesitate to display or use the cross as a symbol of our faith, as many Christians do. He talks about how the cross can be used as a bridge instead of a barrier, while identifying with other Christian believers. John also addresses mixed messaging from church leaders about the cross and the different ways we use the symbolism of the crucifixion in our temple and church worship. Today I'm here with John Hilton III. John is a professor of religious education at BYU and has published several books with Deseret Book, including his latest book, Considering the Cross, How Calvary Connects Us with Christ. His current project is a YouTube video course and podcast called Seeking Jesus. So today we're going to be talking about the symbolism of the cross in our church culture. So welcome, John. Thank you, Mary Alice. It's so great to be with you. It's great to have you on again. We did a podcast before about the cultural fence laws in the church, and today we're going to be talking about the cross. So in our church culture today, it is not common for church members to wear the cross or even display the cross in our church buildings or have it printed on our church resources as many other churches do. But in the 19th century, the cross was seen on marriage certificates, quilts, funeral programs, and on some church buildings, as well as the 1852 European edition of the Doctrine and Covenant. And it's interesting to note that many prominent early members in the church, such as Brigham Young's wife, Amelia Folsom Young, and his daughter, Nabby Young, wore jewelry featuring the cross. So why was wearing the cross more accepted in the early years of the church? That's a great question. If we were to even just go a couple of generations before Joseph Smith and Brigham Young, many of us have grown up in a culture where the cross is a common Christian symbol. But if we were to go back to the 1600s, the 1700s, at the time of the Protestant Catholic divisions, the cross was primarily a Catholic symbol, and most Protestant organizations rejected it. So Baptists, Methodists, Presbyterians, they did not use the cross as a symbol. So When Joseph Smith is trying to determine what does a church look like, he doesn't have in his mind images of buildings that have crosses on them because no churches that he was around where he was growing up used the cross as a symbol. But between the 1820s and 1870s, 
hundreds of thousands of Catholics migrated to the United States and Catholic church buildings became more prominent. And so the cross then became a more commonly accepted Christian symbol across a variety of Christians. And if we were to go to the time period you were just talking about, say the 1870s to the 1890s, most members of the church are converts from other denominations. Some of those people brought anti-cross feeling with them, with their Protestant background, maybe being negative towards the cross. But many others had a positive view. And especially by the 1870s, the cross was accepted as a common Christian symbol. So it wouldn't be surprising, like you said, to see it on the Doctrine and Covenants or for there to be Latter-day Saints who are using it as just a symbol of common Christian belief. Yeah, that's interesting. I like knowing that background. I didn't realize that it was predominantly a Catholic symbol, and then it made its way into being a common Christianity symbol. That's interesting. So in the early time period for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, it wasn't a focus, it wasn't often put on church buildings or used as a common symbol, but it certainly was not forbidden. Elder B.H. Roberts of the Quorum of the Seventy has a large cross on his tombstone, and you mentioned a couple of specific individuals who wore cross jewelry, but there are lots of photographs of Latter-day Saints at the late 1800s wearing cross jewelry. And, and this was in a time when you didn't get your picture taken very often. So the fact that they and others wore cross jewelry suggests that it wasn't scandalous. They weren't trying to make a statement. This was just, hey, I'm having my nice portrait photograph taken today and I want to look good. So I'm going to wear this special piece of jewelry. That's interesting. I mean, I want to go back to what you just were saying. There's been some mixed messaging from past church leaders about the cross. Does that have something to do with our shift away from wearing it? That is probably the case. If we wanted to do a deep dive into what church leaders have said, for a long time, there were positive messages. For example, the Young Women's Journal, this would be something like the New Era or For the Strength of Youth magazines today. In 1915, they published an article that said, the cross that was a sign of disgrace has become a symbol of love and salvation. Or about 20 years later, an article in the Relief Society magazine said, Christ changed the cross into a symbol of glory. So in the early 1900s, there's positive published statements about the cross. Between 1950 and 1990, I've been able to identify four statements from church leaders that speak negatively about wearing a cross. And I'm sure, and if any listeners out there find additional ones that I'm not aware of, I would love to have them. But I feel like I've done a pretty exhaustive search of general conference talks, looking at the handbooks, looking at unpublished or published writings of church leaders. President McKay wrote in his private journal in the 1950s that Latter-day Saint girls should not wear crosses. Elder Bruce R. McConkie in the first edition and subsequent editions of Mormon Doctrine wrote negatively about the cross, and Elder Joseph Fielding Smith did the same in the 1960s. And then there's one other statement by Elder Marvin J. Ashton. He said, we try to teach our people to carry their crosses rather than wear or display them. And again, none of those are from General Conference. They're not an official statement from the church, but they tend to have do what you said, reshaped in the 1950s, 60s, and 70s, a perception that it would be wrong to wear a cross or that to do so would be disrespectful. It's true because I don't really know anyone that wears a cross in our church community or friends of mine. It's just not something that's common in our culture. Another example too is President Hinckley's response to that Protestant minister who asked him how Latter-day Saints claimed to be Christians while avoiding the image of the cross. 
And do you want to share what his response was to that? Yeah. So in context, he's giving a tour of the Mesa, Arizona temple for an open house. And it is important to note that this statement is from 1975. So it's almost 50 years ago. Um, He says, I do not wish to give offense to any of my Christian brethren who use the cross, but for us, the cross is the symbol of the dying Christ, while our message is a declaration of the living Christ. The lives of our people must become the only meaningful expression of our faith, and in fact, therefore, the symbol of our worship. And whether or not people know that quote from President Hinckley, I think if you were to ask the average Latter-day Saint, oh, how come you don't use the cross? They would paraphrase that idea. That's kind of what is commonly taught. I think it's interesting that we focus on those two or three sentences, but just a paragraph or two later in the same talk, President Hinckley says, no member of this church must ever forget the terrible price paid by our Redeemer, who gave his life that all men might live. This was the cross, the instrument of his torture, the terrible device designed to destroy the man of peace. We cannot forget that. And one of my concerns, if we discount the cross and put it aside, is I think in negative ways impact our understanding of Christ's atonement. For example, I've talked to lots of Latter-day Saints and asked them a question like, where did Christ mostly atone for our sins? And the common response is to focus on Gethsemane and ignore Calvary. But the scriptures, Joseph Smith, church leaders, and even the Savior himself, when talking about his atonement, heavily emphasize the importance of Christ's crucifixion. And so if we discount or put aside the cross, or even not like not actively, but we just by not using it, then I think we send a message that it's not important. I think that leads some people to not really focus on Christ's crucifixion and think about the depth and power of what it means in their lives. Yeah, that's true. It kind of downplays that. For those who are participating today who have been to the temple, if you've received your endowment or been a part of a temple ceiling, you know that Christ's crucifixion is central in those ordinances. And so we actually strongly do believe in the crucifixion of Jesus Christ having atoning power for our sins. President Russell M. Nelson said that everything Christ experienced in Gethsemane was intensified on the cross. And so we do ourselves and those we teach and those we love a real disservice if we minimize the importance of Christ's crucifixion. And to be sure, there's a difference between the symbol, the cross, and Christ's crucifixion, the doctrinal significance of it, and the spiritual power therein. But symbols have a way of holding the things of the soul. And if I discount a symbol, it may lead to me discounting what that symbol represents. Yeah, that's a really good point. That's true. You wrote something in LDS Living recently all about this. The article is fantastic. If anyone hasn't read that yet, look up the LDS Living article by John Hilton III recently. I think it was last week. Uh, Yeah, it did. It it came out in last week. You shared a story in there about Presbyterian friend and had a conversation. You saying, I told the Presbyterian friend corrected you when you told her that we preferred to worship a living rather than a dead Christ, which is consistent with what President Hinckley was saying, right? And she responded that she did too. (laughs) Yeah, this actually isn't my story. It was told by Eric Huntsman, a colleague of mine at BYU. But you captured the story just right. I mean, he sort of said, hey, I think the conversation was going something like, Eric, how come you don't wear a cross? And he says, well, I prefer to worship the living Christ. And if you think about that, 
that could be kind of insulting to other Christians. There are more than 2 billion Christians in the world, and Latter-day Saints represent less than 1% of them. So for the vast majority of Christians, the cross is a symbol of the living Christ. It's a symbol of the loving Christ. Jesus said, no one has greater love than this to lay down his life for his friends. So the symbol of Christ's love for many Christians is the cross. When many Christians look at the cross, they're not thinking about his death. They're thinking about his love. Or in this case that you're referring to the with the Presbyterian friend, many Christian churches use just an empty cross. And that was her comment to Eric was, look, look at the cross. Do you see Christ on there? He's not on there. He lives. To me, the empty cross represents the fact that Christ lives. And so it's kind of funny that some Christians are using the symbol of the cross to show their belief that Christ is the living Christ. And if we do anything to insinuate that, oh, well, you must not believe in the living Christ, that could be really offensive. Oh, yeah. In fact, it was interesting what he was saying. He said, I was, I'll quote, like, I was chastened by her response, realizing that just as we do not appreciate others mischaracterizing our beliefs, neither should we presume to understand or misrepresent the beliefs and practices of others. Yeah, that's really true. Yeah, it's interesting because I just know I've been asked before too. We raised our kids in Boston. Everyone's Catholic there. And people would say, why is there no symbolism of the cross anywhere? If you say you're Christian, why isn't the cross anywhere? And friends came to church with me for Christmas and different things, and they would comment on that. And I was always told what President Hinckley had said, because we focus on the living Christ, we don't focus on his death as much. And I think one of the challenges that we all have to wrestle with is how do we hold that idea that you just shared? in balance with not making it a barrier for people. And when President Hinckley, I mean, I think in context, he was answering the question of why the church doesn't have a cross in the temple. And obviously the, the church can choose how to do its institutional messaging in a variety of different ways. And the church clearly has chosen not to use the cross as a symbol of our faith. But President Hinckley did not say that individuals could not wear or display a cross and I think about different experiences since I I wrote the book that you mentioned earlier, Considering the Cross. So lots of people have written to me and shared stories with me of their experiences with being belittled for wearing a cross or having a family member give them a cross, but then feeling like, oh, I, I better not wear it and it causing hurt feelings with the family member. In a lot of cases, I think the cross has become a barrier between us and other Christians. I mean, it sounds like maybe that was your case in Boston, where it doesn't have to be that way. The cross can easily become a bridge. I know a woman who recently decided to start wearing cross earrings, and she lives in a place that's predominantly not Latter-day Saint. One of her friends came up to her shortly thereafter and said, oh, I didn't even realize that you were a Christian. But the fact that she was wearing these cross earrings opened the door for a gospel conversation. And I'm certainly not advocating that everyone go out and wear cross jewelry, but I do think that we should remove any stigma around individual Latter-day Saint choosing to do so. There's never been a time in general conference or in an official church handbook where we've been told, don't wear a cross necklace. And so if you choose to do so because it helps you connect with Jesus Christ or remember him, this is like one of those cultural things that maybe for me or for you growing up, felt like a firm doctrine, like drinking Coke did for me when I was growing up. But actually, it's not a firm doctrine. It's more of a cultural practice. Yeah, that's a good distinction between culture and doctrine. 
it's a cultural thing. And actually, maybe what you were just saying could be seen as a bit of a bridge instead of a barrier. Just it facilitates conversation about Christianity. If you have something like that, that can be kind of a common way to connect with another Christian, right? Because that does identify people as Christians. So another Christian might see, remember the church wearing like a little cross necklace or something and say, oh, you're Christian. That automatically identifies them as Christian. Right. And I think for me, one thing that I'm really concerned about is what would happen to a Latter-day Saint who chose to do that? Would other Latter-day Saints criticize him or her, like that person who's wearing a cross and say, oh, what's wrong with you? Now you're different. That's what I hope we can eliminate from our culture is the stigma or putting people down who do choose to wear a cross. Um, just a quick little story about this one. This is it's a sad story, but it's a true story. Happened in Utah. There was a college student who she had grown up in the church and she went to a university where you got special parking if you were an institute. So she was an institute student, had the special institute parking sticker. She also had a cross on the rearview mirror of her car, which to her was a symbol of her belief in Jesus Christ. Well, one day she walked out to her car and there was a note uh, taped to her dashboard that's, or taped to the windshield that said, what's up? You've got a cross and an institute sticker on your car. Pick one. That doesn't have to happen, right? Why would there be that kind of rudeness? And this student of mine was very active in the church and you know, like just kind of was water off her back. But I wonder how many people who are coming to church for the first time or maybe recent converts hear negative comments about the cross or the things that they're choosing to wear and then just decide, oh, maybe this place isn't for me. And it doesn't have to be like that. It does not have to be a barrier. It can be a bridge. Yeah. And I like that you're saying that because I think a lot of church members don't know where the church stands on it because there has been a little bit of mixed messaging. And I didn't even know, like, is it appropriate for us to wear cross jewelry? I don't know. I've never seen it really in our culture. So it's good that we're talking about it. That was one of the reasons I wanted to discuss this today, because I think a lot of members are unclear. And I think this podcast can help them understand what they should do. Like we all kind of want to do the right thing, but the cultural does influence us. And what are church leaders saying now about wearing the cross? Right. There's been nothing said about it in general conference, well, ever, but I haven't come across any statements from church leaders clearly. And let's make sure we're all very clear on this. We definitely worship the living Christ. There is no doubt about it. I don't know of anyone who's advocating that we should worship the dead Christ. That includes other Christians of different denominations. I think the issue at hand is, is the cross today in 2022 a symbol of death or other ways that a person could view the cross? The most current statement from the church, and I don't know how, like if this counts as an official statement, but there's a gospel topics essay on the cross. And it says, the cross is used in many Christian churches as a symbol of the Savior's death and resurrection and as a sincere expression of faith. And then it says, as members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we also remember with reverence the suffering of the Savior. But because the Savior lives, we do not use the symbol of his death as the symbol of our faith. And I think it's interesting what it says and doesn't say. So definitely we focus on the living Christ and we are not using the cross as the symbol of our faith, but it also doesn't say you should wear a cross or you shouldn't wear a cross. It's kind of silent on that specific topic. So what I hear out of that too is if since they haven't come out and given a distinct directive on it, it makes me feel like they're okay with it, right? The church leaders. I mean, I think people listening to this are going to want to know, well, what do I do? What am I supposed to do? 
Well, I mean, I certainly am not in a position to speak on behalf of the church leaders. What I can say is, if we look at the statements made by church leaders in the last 30 years, there aren't any either encouraging or discouraging wearing a cross. And so based on that, it would seem that if it feels to you that that's a way to connect with Jesus Christ, there's no clear statement saying, don't do that. Yeah, that's kind of my takeaway as well. Okay, so how can understanding the different meanings of the cross help us feel more love for Jesus and more deeply feel his love for us? So that's one where I feel like, at least for me, and I'd love to hear your perspective as well, Mary Alice, but even up until like four or five years ago, if if I were teaching a lesson about Christ's atonement, I would focus almost exclusively on Gethsemane and spend very little time talking about Christ's crucifixion. But again, Christ's death is the event that he himself defined as his greatest act of love. And once you start looking for it, you find there are so many scriptural references to Christ's death. More than 50 times in scripture, it talks about Christ dying for our sins. Or recently, we've been reading in Come Follow Me from the book of Moses. If you remember in Moses chapter 7, Enoch is heartbroken because he has this vision and he sees that all of the people he's been teaching and their descendants are going to be destroyed in the flood. And it says that he had bitterness of soul. And God says to Enoch, look, and he shows him a vision of Christ on the cross. I think that's interesting. When Enoch has heartache, the image God shows him is the crucifixion. In the modern time, Jesus has said, this is a verse a lot of people have memorized, look unto me in every thought, doubt not, fear not. And then the very next verse says, behold, which means fix your eyes upon the wounds which pierce my hands and my feet and my side. In other words, the living Christ is inviting us to fix our eyes on his crucifixion wounds. And so I think that there's a lot of spiritual power that we can gain as we ponder and consider Christ's crucifixion, this event that he described as his greatest act of love. Yes, we believe in the living Christ and we also believe in the loving Christ. And it's not an either or, we can have both. And I think that is one powerful way that embracing the symbol of the cross or at the very least not being afraid of it can help us is it may help us approach more readily Christ's crucifixion. True. And when you were saying that, it made me think of kind of your earlier comment about the temple and the endowment. There's so much symbolism around his crucifixion and the symbolism around that, which shows the importance of that event. One thing that I specifically like to think about for those who have been to a sealing ceremony, if or even if you've just been inside a sealing room, you know that the altar is at the center of the ceiling room. And for centuries, the altar was a symbol of the death of Christ. Adam and Eve built an altar. Others, Moses, built an altar. And then Elder Hafen, he talked about performing a sealing ceremony. And I'm going to use his words. He said, I invited the husband and the wife to come to the altar and to join each other by the hands. And so whether you think about the altar or the hands clasped together on the altar, The crucifixion of Jesus Christ is literally at the center of a marriage covenant. And so with that in mind, it just helps me see my marriage in a completely different way. It's not just me and my wife. In a sense, Christ is nailed to our marriage. And now then, as I come to understand Christ's crucifixion more, it then deepens the way I approach my marriage. And yes, this is one example of many 
that show kind of the doctrinal significance of Christ's crucifixion within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, that's a really good point. With the hands clasped across the altar, you are now in a trio, right? Yeah. It's not just you and your spouse, it's you and Christ and your spouse, and that he has the power to help and heal you in your relationship. Yes, definitely. I think that's such beautiful symbolism, and I think a lot of people don't understand that. And a part of that might be that we're preconditioned because I grew up not seeing the cross and typically church buildings don't display even just images of Christ's crucifixion. So as a result, I just maybe start to de-emphasize Christ's crucifixion in my own mind. And so then if I go to the temple with that impression of like, yeah, it was important, but it, not the most important part of Christ's atonement, there might be things that I'm not going to see. Whereas once I am more focused on the doctrinal centrality of Christ's crucifixion, then all of a sudden this starts coming out to me. Maybe I can just give a couple more examples from the scriptures. Mormon wrote to his son Moroni, and this is like in the middle of a horrible time, battles, difficulties. He said, may Christ's death rest in your mind forever. And Jacob, the brother of Nephi wrote, we would to God that we could persuade all people to view Christ's death. So Again, at the beginning and the end of the Book of Mormon, we're seeing this exhortation to ponder and reflect on the death of Christ. So just because we don't worship a dead Christ, we do worship the living Christ, doesn't mean that we shouldn't spend time pondering and contemplating the Savior's death, which actually we're specifically enjoined to do in the sacrament prayers, to remember his blood, which was shed for us. Yeah, that's beautifully said. I'm probably part of your book is focused on that, considering the cross. Yeah. So the first chapter in considering the cross talks about the history of the cross as a symbol. At least for me, when I first would start talking to people about the crucifixion, that's the first thing everyone wants to say is like, well, what about the cross? But then the rest of the book, chapters two through 13, are all focused on the doctrinal significance of Christ's crucifixion. Because once we are able to understand, well, within the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, we actually have a long history with the cross. And sometimes it was used as a symbol on church buildings, on scripture, and as jewelry. And so once we know that, then it allows us to now re-enter and say, well, what does the New Testament teach about Christ's crucifixion? What does the Book of Mormon, the Doctrine and Covenants teach? What have church leaders taught? And it turns out there's just a host of spiritually powerful insights that come from this powerful atoning event. And all the books of scripture focus on it in some way, which shows the importance of it, right? Definitely true. So what would be some takeaways you want people who are listening today to take away from our conversation that will help strengthen their relationship with Christ and their comfort level with the cross? Well, first of all, I think it's just to remember that symbols are multifaceted. They permit, they, they invite additional layers of meaning. And I think that's helpful, right? Any symbol is going to have multiple meanings. And so let's not box the cross, which is one of the, if not the most recognized symbols in the world into one way, right? Symbols are multifaceted. I think it's really powerful that the Young Women's Journals called the cross a symbol of love and salvation. The Relief Society magazine called the cross a symbol of glory. So as we can hold multiple different interpretations of the cross as a symbol, I think that allows us to, going back to what we said earlier, build bridges. So I guess one takeaway is the cross can have multiple meanings. And a second is even if you don't want to wear a cross or even have any connection with a cross, if you see somebody wearing a cross, use that as an opportunity to build a bridge, not create a barrier. 
for example, when I was a young missionary, if I saw someone wearing a cross, I probably would have thought, ooh, you know, like they're the other. And I would have had a negative feeling inside. But now I'd be like, oh, great. And I would go up to that person. I'd say, I see that you're wearing a cross necklace. Do you believe in Jesus? And maybe they're going to say, oh, no, it's just a fashion item. Or maybe they say, oh, yeah, I'm a Christian. But either way, now it's a bridge to have a conversation about Christ. And because the Book of Mormon repeatedly testifies of the Christ's death. In fact, when Jesus defines his gospel in 3527, he said, this is my gospel. My father sent me that I might be lifted up upon the cross. You know, I would use that as I'm talking to people as a missionary or just as a normal human being to help connect with those who do believe in Jesus Christ. So that would be a second takeaway is keep the cross as a bridge, not a barrier. And that's as we reach out to others and also within our own community. If someone does show up at sacrament meeting wearing a cross necklace, they don't need to be hauled into the bishop's office for a rebuke. It might just be that's a way that they want to connect with Jesus Christ. And we don't have any official church statements saying that that's wrong. Well said. Good clarifying takeaways. I like that. And do you like how you're focusing on it being a bridge instead of a barrier? Because in the past, it has been kind of a barrier. People are like, oh, no, we don't do that. Oh, why are you wearing that? Instead of using it as an opportunity to see what you have in common. Wow. Do you believe in Jesus? Me too. And have it be just an organic, natural conversation. There was this, someone just messaged me on Instagram after the LDS Living article came out, and her story just brought tears to my eyes. She lived at a very Christian community, and when her dad passed away, several people contacted her and said, we're not sure what to do because normally we would give a cross, but we don't think you like the cross. What should we do? And she just talked about how she was brought to tears thinking all of these people in our Christian community don't even think that we're Christians. And she just said, no, bring the crosses, bring the crosses. And it turned out to be a beautiful bridge building opportunity. And I don't want to speak out of turn, Mary Alice. I could be wrong, but I get the feeling that when I was growing up in the 80s, that there was sort of a desire on the part of maybe our church collectively to focus on how we are different from other Christians. And it's true. There are several important, distinct differences about the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. But what I hear church leaders doing now is really focusing on what we have in common linking arms with other people, not only Christians, but Muslims, other people of faith and belief in God. And I think this is a time where maybe in the past we've been interested in, here's how we're different. But now this is a great opportunity to focus on what we believe in common. It's definitely a more productive approach. It's a productive approach to focus on what you have in common. And then you can build off that when people say it's the only true and living church, and we know that it is doctrinally, and we have the priesthood, and we have all these pieces that a lot of Christian faiths don't have, but I think it's really important to say, you also have a lot of truth, and can we add to it? That's also another bridge, not like, you're in the wrong church. <laughs> it's, yes, you have some truths in your church, and these are the things we have in common, and can we add to what you already know? I love bridge building. I think that's a great approach. Yeah, I think that's the strategy. And it's productive and it doesn't offend people. And you focus on what you have in common and there's just better outcomes that way. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah. In fact, one of the things that I remember learning as a missionary is the importance of building on common beliefs. And I honestly believe that the cross is one of those common beliefs because like we've said, all of Latter-day Saint scripture heavily emphasizes Christ's crucifixion. And so that's a belief that we have in common. It doesn't have to be something that's different. We actually believe the same thing, that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And people can celebrate that in different ways. 
and to be respectful of other people and how they identify with that sacrifice that was made for them. So you mentioned just in the introduction, Mary Alice, that I'm doing a YouTube series called Seeking Jesus. In one of the episodes, we talked about some of the things we've been saying with the cross. And it was so interesting because in one of the comments on the video, a person said, well, what really matters is the atonement. And what happened on the cross was just kind of like helpful afterwards. And so it was clear that the person who was making the comment believed that Christ's atonement was exclusively in Gethsemane and the cross was just an extra thing. And that's not what the scriptures and church leaders have taught. So I do hope that another takeaway from this conversation is a focus on Christ's crucifixion as a doctrinally significant part of Christ's atonement. It is like rich, it is life-changing. And so no matter what we choose to do or not do with the symbol of the cross, let's not that be a barrier from more deeply exploring the event that Christ defined as his greatest act of love. Beautifully said. And I'd like to finish on that. Is there anything else you'd like to share before we close? Well, Mary Alice, I just want to share with you that I do believe in Jesus Christ, and I focus in my own life on the living Christ. And like I said earlier, it's not a competition between the living Christ and the loving Christ. It really is both. As I've carefully studied Christ's death, it's drawn me closer to Him and helped me believe even more in His life. And I hope that our listeners feel an excitement to study more about the Savior, all aspects of His life, including His death. Beautiful. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to the What Now podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at Podcast What Now for highlights from our past and present podcasts so you can continue to be inspired throughout the week. Positive ratings and written reviews are always appreciated. Just subscribe to the podcast and scroll down the episodes and you'll see where you can leave a positive rating and written review. I invite you to help us create positive change by sharing this episode with family, friends, and anyone you think it might help. Just click on that share button wherever you listen to podcasts. We never say goodbye. We say what now? This has been a What Now podcast production.